0: Oh, and welcome to Faith Facts with Father Howard. I'm Lindsay here with Father Howard and special guest Hannah Berglund, and today we are discussing Laudato Si'. So let's get started.
1: Hey Lindsay, as always, it's it's good to be able to spend some time to reflect on a few of the issues that that really touch upon uh, the the month of October, which which our church designates as the Respect Life Month. And and part of what I have been saying all along is that when it comes to this issue of respecting life, uh, it, is, it is a broad, it is a vast issue. It is not just a singular topic or a singular issue. It is something that... that that touches upon the very start of life, the very end of life, it touches upon the world in which we live, it touches upon the the institutions, upon the processes, politics, all of that stuff that's part of our world. And so when we we want to take time to really reflect on that, is that we need to not just you know be very small in our way of thinking, but we must be much broader in, in the way that we we look at the issues that are certainly involved. One of the ways that we do that, and, and why I've also asked Hannah to, to be part of this, is that in the encyclical Laudato Si, written by Pope Francis, is that it, it covers upon one of the major, major issues that literally we as a world have to, have to be thinking about and talking about, and we need to be discussing, and we're not, we're not really doing that much. Um, you know, politically, we're beginning to do that more because that was certainly not the case, you know, in the past a bit. But also in our church, we need to be talking more about this. And, and, and largely due to the fact that Pope Francis really does speak to the issues that, that, that cover a gl- the globe. I mean, the earth in, on which we live. We can't survive, you know, on Mars or Venus or what? you know we can't that though we can't survive on those anyway not right not now yet anyway. not yet not uh, yet okay and and we're not yet at a point where we have discovered an inhabitable planet someplace else so we've got this planet and we have to take care of it and Pope Francis makes it very very clear that um, that that this is a, a a terribly important responsibility because if we don't it threatens. All life no matter who what where when how why any manner shape or form it simply threatens all life
0: now does this um, encyclical build upon the one that we talked about last week that JP two wrote or is this completely different
1: no it, it's not completely different because in in this document of Laudato Si there are any number of places where uh, Pope Francis will uh, will quote John Paul II in his Gospel of Life. Uh, there are other places, other documents that John Paul II has written or did write, you know, during his tenure. And so uh, there are any number of places where uh, Pope Francis makes it very clear that he is building upon, you know, this this the document when it comes to. The go- excuse me, the gospel of life. And he is in many ways taking it one step further, you might say. And that's part of what I'd like, you know, Hannah to speak to also is that when you look at this document, he is building upon not only uh, uh, John Paul II, he is also building on Paul VI, he is building on, uh, you know, Pope John Paul, the 23rd. John Twenty Third. He, he's just, he's building on a lot of different people that have written before, which in many ways, you know, popes have been doing for, for centuries, in that when you look at even Pope John the, Paul, um, no, John the 23rd, Pope John the 23rd. They need
0: to stop naming themselves all the same yeah, thing. Yeah,
1: I, I tell you, is that uh, when when he open the doors, you might say, for the Second Council, is that he was building on what had been taking place 30 to 50 years before him. So these things don't come out of simply vacuums. They come out of, of thinking and reflecting and, and prayer and all sorts of things that take place that have been written about, reflected on and such for years prior. And, and Laudato Si' is, is no different. Uh, when when Pope Francis starts to you know to look at you know what we as a people need to do, and he says in in the document, I am speaking to every person on this planet. We have to do something. We need to change the way we think. We need to approach this in a new way if we are going to respect this world that is a gift we have to be serious about what we want to do with it. And so therefore, again, had Hannah come to, to just to speak to some of this, of uh, just some of the insights that she has gleaned and some of the the things that that uh, Francis Pope Francis pulls, you know, together and saying, here's how we have to approach it. And uh, because again, you know, Francis, you know, he has this one area here where he talks about I am speaking to every every person. Um, and I can't put my finger on it right <laughs> offhand, but but he talks about the fact that we'll just trust as, you it's in there. Yeah. Um, but it's it's realizing that there are going to be serious ramifications that with all of the marvelous, marvelous knowledge we have, with all of the science we have, with all of the brilliance we have, if somehow it is not accompanied, as he would say, by authentic social and moral progress. It will all turn against us. And I, th- I believe that's exactly what we are seeing, is that we can do all sorts of things. Should we, is a good question, be doing all sorts of things? And if we do, how do we do this? And what is the, what is the focus of why we are doing this? And somehow, because if we aren't clear on that, uh, you know, nuclear war would have had nothing on us because we would simply have, you know, pushed a different kind of button and we will still wipe us all out.
0: On that happy thought, maybe we should get
2: into what the
1: we should get Encyclicals in
2: cyclicals all yes. about
1: because it's a good document it's really a very good document so first
2: i just i just want to introduce myself um my name is hannah berglund and i'm the director of faith formation here at holy angels um why did they bring me in well <laughs> i don't know but i but i have because you're a
0: francis fanatic yeah right. so
2: i have done um lots of graduate research on this document we we talked about this document and read it in more than one of my graduate classes and so um i have a good knowledge of this and i'm excited to be here um with father and with Lindsay so thank you so let's let's get into this a little bit um i think it is important to say that francis didn't pull this from a vacuum he he was building on um uh, first Parchment Terrace, which is a document written by um, Pope, now Saint uh, Pope John the Twenty Third, whose feast day is today, and um, on the day of our recording, yes, on the day of our recording, which is October 11th. yes, okay. um, and then um, later Pope Paul the Sixth um, actually said that what ha- what has become of our earth is a his words a tragic consequence of um you know choices that we have made and um really I think the the if you're going to take nothing else away from this podcast or this document I think the biggest conclusion that Pope Francis makes here is that he's connecting our treatment of the earth with our treatment of people it's a direct relation and before i read this i had never thought about it that way you know how we treat the earth is having the biggest consequence on the poor and the vulnerable and so caring for creation is really caring for each other and that's that's the main conclusion in my opinion that Francis makes in this document because who's out on the streets? Who's out in the elements? It's the poor. It's the people without resources. And so how we treat our environment has the greatest effect on them. And I think that's really important. In the beginning of this document, Pope Francis talks a little bit about St. Francis of Assisi. And he... St. Francis referred to every creature, no matter how small, by the name of brother or sister. Brother water, sister fire, um, even sister bodily death. I mean, everything was related to as brother or sister. Um, brother, son, sister, moon. So, I think in... Giving all creatures, referring to them this way, it it can help us treat things with respect. Um, so that's going all the way back to St. Francis. I mean, this document has now been added to the body of the Church's social teaching. So, as a whole, the document kind of beginning it, Francis goes over what the status is of our present ecological crisis. He considers principles that are drawn from the Judeo-Christian tradition, which can kind of bring up what our commitment to the environment should be. He then gets to the roots of our situation to not only consider its symptoms, but also its deepest causes. Um, And then he advises some broader proposals for dialogue and action. So that's kind of what the document does and it really involves a dialogue between religion and science so faith and science are working together in what our answer is you know for 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 some of these questions he talks about the gospel of creation so he goes back to the old testament and looks up what are our biblical roots for God's creation. He quotes, you know, things from Genesis and Exodus.
1: Part of uh, you know building off of what you you yeah. shared there, yeah. uh, Hannah, is that we find with Francis, you know, he, Pope, it's,
0: Francis uh, or Pope Francis. Pope no Pope Francis. Okay. Pope Francis.
1: Yeah, Saint Francis. Yeah, he, he's he's gone. He's in the past and gone. He's okay. in the past and gone. Um, with Pope Francis, um, he when when he. You know, he is putting together this, you might say, this appeal. And he, he, he talks about the fact of the, an urgent challenge. And he says, I urgently appeal then. Talks about that there needs to be a new dialogue. There needs to be a new approach. And that new approach recognizes the fact that you cannot talk about how we treat the earth and as Hannah referred to, you cannot talk about how we treat the earth unless you, at the same time, are talking about how we are treating, you know, each other. You cannot address the problems that our, literally, our globe faces without addressing the problems that the those who are in poverty uh, face. That the the motivation behind. The way we treat one another and the way we treat our earth in many ways is the same self-indulgence selfishness uh money is the is 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 the be all and end all power control that the very reasons why you know of, of, of why there is so much in so many ways misery on earth are the same reasons why this this earth that we live in is in in deep trouble. So we
0: shouldn't take, 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 take everything we can out of it.
1: Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But realizing that what we do has a consequence not only for today, but it has a consequence to those generations who we hope and pray to God will come after us. And so there is this plea To change the dialogue, change the questions, change the way we look at it in order to allow us to find answers that, you know, will help to shape, you know, the future of our planet. Uh, He talks about the need for a conversation that includes everyone, not just the powerful, uh, not just the scientists, but he talks about the need for a conversation that includes all of us. Because it affects all of us Mm -hmm. and the decisions that we make will make a difference to all of us and to the earth, you know, the planet that that we're part of. One
2: of the first things he he talks about is the fact that we live in a throwaway culture. So just think about your cell phone. I think this is the best example. You know, we, we have our cell phones, we use them for maybe a couple years at most, and then we throw it away because there's an update, there's a new one, ours gets slow. So we, we kind of use things as much as we change our underwear. Like it's, the, the waste that we produce is a, enormous. And so how can we use things and make them last? He actually talks about that throughout the whole, whole document. That's definitely something to think about. He talks about the climate, access to drink clean, safe drinking water Mm -hmm. as common goods. And a common good is something that belongs to all and meant for all. He actually talks about the clean drinking water as a human right. There are these things, and we have a responsibility to each other, to help our climate help each other um that's that's all part of catholic social teaching
1: there's there's a a a theory when you talk about drinking water i had a conversation with a gentleman who was saying that uh uh, the what what one third of the clean drinking water in the world is right on our doorstep it's called the great lakes Mm. and you know it's it's that uh the, and there have already been all sorts of uh, political battles over the Great Lakes mm-hmm. Great Lakes, as to who has access to it, who should have access to it. Right now, there are limits to where anyone can, you know, who can draw from that mm-hmm. Great Lakes. And there was a huge battle, just for example, with Waukesha, mm-hmm. who now was given rights to take you know, the, it's, the way the law read at first was that you can't take water beyond the Continental Divide. Well, that Continental Divide uh, is right, you know, on if you come west on Interstate 94, there is a ridge there that's part of a Continental Divide that goes, you know, through the entire, basically, continent. Water from the Great Lakes is not supposed to go west to that. There have been very few, uh, there have been a couple, but it was just given rights, because of how they interpreted things, that Waukesha is now able to gain water from the Great Lakes. Why? Because their wells are basically polluted. That's why. Um,
2: Speaking as someone who grew up in Waukesha, um, not to say Waukesha is a third world nation or anything like that, I'm not saying that at all, but our drinking water growing up was horrible. Like, we always drank from spring bottled water because it was just not good to drink from so
1: yeah and you look at that and you saying you know and and part of it was how much building and how quickly and all of that not to mention how easily we seem to use the Great Lakes as our own personal toilets you know or dumping grounds
2: or whatever
1: um so the reason I mentioned that is that you know we need to take a serious look at that and saying what are we doing to the very source of water that we depend on. Not to mention, this gentleman that I was engaged with was that said that the new wars, wars in the future will be fought over clean water. Mm. And we're a target because yeah. again, we have one of the biggest sources of clean water in the entire world. And we don't think about that. Isn't that awesome? I mean, yeah. And so when you think about the, the targets of of the what might happen because somebody wants access to water and the laws say sorry, no can do because you can only go this far, is that you don't think they wouldn't be willing to to say, oh no, we're we're gonna take this water. One way or the other we're gonna take this water. They'll
0: just wait till the tide goes out and then <laughs>
1: Well, take it that way. You know, it's just they did the same thing for oil. Look what we as a nation did to Native American peoples and other indigenous peoples around the globe because we wanted oil. We wanted cheap energy. And by God, we were going to do whatever we could in order to get cheap energy. And if that was moving people, killing people, whatever people, is that we and a lot of other folks were willing to do that. Tell me that somebody wouldn't be willing to do that to gain access to water once either aquifers are depleted or they're poisoned or whatever is that we're going to do that. You know, so, you know, some of the, this, this stuff is, is and I think as Pope Francis points out, this is very serious. These are very serious issues mm-hmm. and we cannot simply take for granted That somehow it's all going to be okay because we're going to play nice. Well, nobody would ever do that. We've seen just in our own lifetimes things that we thought nobody would ever do did. And and there were serious consequences to all of that. So Pope Francis, you know, in his wisdom talks about the right he believes. The right an individual has to clean drinking water. Mm-hmm. This isn't something that it's okay to have if, if we, you know, if we want to. We can't survive without water. And life and can't A life survive. Issue.
2: Well, that's what I was just gonna say. Um, he says one serious problem is the quality of water available to the poor. Every day, unsafe water results in many deaths and the spread of water-related diseases. He also says that we have a grave social debt toward the poor who lack access to drinking water because they are denied the right to a life consistent with their dignity and so this is a life issue people dying huge, huge. from not being able to drink clean water i would say that's a life issue when i lived in california i became i before i moved out there i had no idea anything about water and out there it's a reality you don't water your lawn you you, they tell you try to limit your showers to three minutes only run your washer and dishwasher once a week um you actually get a tax break if you remove all the grass from your yard and replace it with rocks or whatever like it's you you don't complain about the rain i learned that quickly you are going to get looks if you complain about the rain Hmm. Um, Because it doesn't
0: rain a lot.
2: And when it does rain, it's a gift from God. It truly is. Um, There are huge desalination plants off the coast, and what that does is it takes the water from the ocean and it gets rid of the salt so that it's able to be used. Um, It's a a huge problem. Um, And, you know, if we don't take care of what we have now, it could get like that and mm-hmm. you, we don't want that to happen.
1: Lack of biodiversity, people oftentimes we, we hear, uh, for example, in the scriptures and in the Psalms, you know, they talk about the cedars of Lebanon and you say, well, wait a minute, there are no cedars in Lebanon. <laughs> yeah, today they're not. <laughs> When you think about in the past, and, and scientists have shown, is that Lebanon and that whole area used to be just covered by cedar groves.
0: Interesting.
1: They were just covered. And that's why, you know, the temples and, and many of the palaces that they were, they were built out of the cedars of Lebanon. It was one of the best woods that they could, and they literally deforested.
0: Never thought about that.
1: And, and you know, so... Even those kinds of symbols and those kinds of things of what happens to an area when it is literally, you know, when it is literally uh, deforested and wiped out, saying, look, there are things that our world can't come back from. It just plain can't. And, and so we, we have to be cautious. One of the things that oftentimes, you know, I'm able to travel a little bit around the United States of how people... You know, there are folks who will move to Arizona because they want the warm weather and all of that. And then they will try to make their lawns exactly like they are oh, in Wisconsin mm-hmm. by, by wa- you know, by watering grass and, and wanting mm-hmm. all of that. Saying this climate can't, no. can't, can't you know, no. can't keep that going. Mm-mm. It's like we, we want everything to change as long as nothing changes. <laughs> And, we and, want the
0: best of it all.
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess so. And, and we're willing to do anything sometimes to get that. Because I want the best of it all. And I don't care whether you're able to live or exist. And so when, you know, because I want the best of it all, and I'm told in so many ways, I deserve it. I deserve it because I'm good. I'm an American. I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. Is that... And, and, and rather than looking at saying, wait a minute, we're part of something much bigger than, you know, just America or, or Wisconsin or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And I think that here again, you start to pay a price of uh, the Dust Bowl, uh, you know, in the, in the Western states didn't happen by accident. You know, there was drought and, and we see the consequences of all of that. And, you know, then we start to tap aquifers and those kinds of things. And, you know, I I am not saying that somehow we shouldn't be doing any and all of this stuff. Is that what we need to do, though, is we need to put limits. We cannot simply treat it like I I am the only one that exists in this universe. And so when when we look at this, you know, this encyclical, uh, Laudato Si', he is talking about life issues, mm-hmm. the very existence of all life. And so this is a big life issue. And that's why, to me, it's, it's so dangerous, you know, when we, we are tempted to focus on, on one thing uh, and, and recognize there's a whole lot that we need to be seriously looking at. And it is, I think, the wisdom of Pope Francis that points that out. Mm-hmm.
0: um well yeah he, I mean you ask anyone what a life issue is I doubt anyone's going to respond with water
1: <laughs> you <laughs> so. right. no. sadly no. you're probably right or or hunger yeah you know when how many hundreds of thousands of people die each and every day many of them children because of simple lack of, of simple food necess- necessities mm-hmm. how much hunger is in our own United States when you think about, the food banks that are being used now more and more and more than ever, mm-hmm. the lack of, of, of uh, substantial food access on college campuses. You know, it's not just, you know, some third world, you know, country that we're talking about. We're talking about in our own cities, in our own neighborhoods, in our own college campuses, in our own uh, just places where, where we wouldn't think about it. And yet so often there is, you know, the, there are these issues that need to be addressed when you look at foreign debt, when you look at all of those things. And now, obviously, most recently, you start looking at the places in the world that haven't even yet received any of the vaccines. And there are millions and millions and millions of doses that are available. And, and I would say the responsibility that we have we need to share those. Mm-hmm. We can't just say, well, it's about us first. We can make more. Mm-hmm. We can make hundreds of millions of vials more. In many ways, we're just not necessarily willing to pay for it. That's it.
0: They can't pay for it. We can. So here you go. Exactly.
2: And I think our, our Catholic faith calls us to be... Well, first to be in community. I mean, we don't come right. together and worship and receive the Eucharist in a vacuum. We do it in the context of a community. So, as the body of Christ, then we have a responsibility to each other and to then to the earth. And so, you know, this this kind of American culture of really as Pope Francis puts it this anthropocentrism, we you know it's all about me and he says there's no place for this in the gospel of creation. but really there's there's no place for this I think in the church and this is so countercultural to the way Americans live, but I think this is the solution for um, caring for our home.
1: And, you know, it's important that and and Pope Francis also acknowledges this. It's not that we have all the answers. We don't. You know, the church, I think we need to be willing to engage, you know, in the conversation of being able to say, look, you know, there are other issues other than simply how much do you make and how much can we make on this? There are other issues that need to be, you know, addressed. One of the experiences that I had when I was working in our college seminary program is that I was living downtown on 22nd in Wisconsin across, you know, the street from the Ardmore, you know, hotel. And uh, so one of the things that Marquette University at the time was starting to, you know, to take and, and provide a different, better, upgraded housing. But what it was going to do, it was either going to, they bought buildings in that whole area. It was an area of, of West, it was called Avenues West. It was an area that was known for, you know, drugs and prostitution and, and hunger and poverty. Um, within a, a several block area of where I lived, we knew of 32 drug houses. Wow. Just within several blocks. Now, what Marquette and leadership, and to me with just a great wisdom there, was that, uh, was talking about how do we how do we start to help improve this? It was a, a, you know, Marquette University. It was the city. It was, you know, federal government. It was a whole group. And they met at Weekland Hall where, where I was the, the director. It was the uh, space where we could get a good chunk of folks, you know, access to toilets and all sorts of stuff like that. And so... We talked about that, and I found myself as a representative of the church to to be able to raise the issues of saying, and where are these poor people that you are displacing? Because a lot of folks were being displaced. Where are they going to stay? How are we going to address their needs? How do we address the spiritual needs and the trauma and all of that? I was bringing up topics I never, in some ways, dreamed that I would be bringing up. Mm -hmm. And yet it had to be part of the conversation that we as a church, we just don't, we don't have all the answers, you know, but we need to be able to add to the conversation and to the dialogue to saying you cannot forget the welfare and the well-being of the people we displace. Whether they're drug abusers or not, whether they're in prostitution or not, who, that's not the point. They are human beings created in the image of God, and therefore they deserve to be taken care of. And I don't want to give the impression that somehow Marquette University didn't care. They did, and they did a, I think they did a tremendous job. But it has, it has to be part and parcel of the conversations that we have. And, and whether it's something more local like that, and there was a lot of progress that was made in that area over the years, or it's on a more global you know, platform, we as a church need to zip it and listen once in a while, adding to the conversation, not simply thinking that we have all the answers. Is that do we have some of them? Absolutely. Do we have something to offer? Even more absolutely, but do we have everything? Absolutely not. And, and I, one of the graces that, you know, that approaches that Francis, Pope Francis uses is that we as a church need to be able to take our rightful place in these conversations, but not, but not be arrogant either. And and to me, there's a tremendous wisdom that uh, we have to encourage honest debate we have to encourage, you know, a willingness to really think about what we're saying and why and what we're doing and why. We have to be willing to bring people together and, and, and we have to, you know, be able to get beyond the politics of that and bring the gospel message to it, which is what Hannah has been pointing to. Bring the gospel message to it and saying, do not forget this peace. This is about not taking sides. This is about the presence and the gift of God, and we must never forget that. Whichever God you you know you might worship, we must not forget that all of this is a gift from God.
2: And I think really a, a crucial part of this is dialoguing between having a dialogue between religion and science. Mm-hmm. I've heard comments from from people um, when I've talked about this document before, um, they say, well that was you know this is all a bunch of science and this is all you know written by scientists and I'm like, yeah and Pope Francis didn't write this in a vacuum either. he right. consulted with experts in the, in this field and as Catholics, We are supposed to look at science and history and all of these other sources. And so this has to be a true dialogue between these two things. And that's how I think we're, that is how we're going to add to the conversation. But we have to be wise about this.
0: I mean, I think you picked up on another life issue, as I would see it, it would be affordable housing, which probably is not in this, but... Definitely is an mm-hmm. issue yeah. these days.
1: Or what, yeah. how he would put it in many ways, the common good. Yeah. We, we need to be able to look at the, the common good. That that means I need to be willing to sacrifice because there is a greater good that somebody else has. And boy, you don't hear much about that, mm-hmm. you know, this day at this time. It's about me, 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 my rights, what I should be able to demand and what we forget is that, but there are other greater rights than yours, you know, that that somehow you need to have maybe rights you would love have to be curbed because there is a greater good. There is a greater good in the common good that needs to be addressed. So whether it is affordable housing, whether it is good child care, whether it is you know food for in Africa, is that You know, when you think about sometimes the waste uh, that we as a nation, uh, my brother um, used to work for the canning factory. I mean, they were in it to make money, but he would talk about the hundreds and hundreds of acres of vegetables that they would plow under because the beets weren't the right size. Oh my gosh. Because they were a little bit bigger and people won't buy the bigger beets because the peppers weren't quite the right shape because the corn was a little late and they had to shut the plant down, is that so you lose hundreds of acres of food or you destroy it by dumping it in the ocean because you don't want the market to be flooded. The common good in saying there is a greater good here of people Give it away.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Give it away, but somebody's got to pay for it. Yeah, you might make a few dollars less, or it might cost me ten, fifteen cents more. But the poor aren't eager anyway. I mean, in a sense right now, right is that you know I have to be willing as an individual and as a we have to as a as a culture, to be able to say there are some greater goods out there than what's simply, again, how much I make.
2: Mm-hmm. And and Pope Francis does say in this document, approximately a third of all food produced is discarded. Mm-hmm. And um, it then says, when- whenever food is thrown out, it is as if it were stolen from the table of the poor. And that's so
1: true. Yeah, it, it, and we don't think about it. You know, we have garbage disposals. It just magically goes away. Um we and, and I think these are things we have to think about we have to think about um, because it is not unusual necessarily to have hundreds of thousands of tons of food simply dumped in an ocean simply put in a landfill
2: yeah what a waste yeah, yeah. talking a little bit more about the common good this is I think, essential to understanding this. And this quote is from Gaudium et Spes, which is the pastoral constitution for the church in the modern world. And it says that the common good is the sum of those conditions of social life which allow social groups and their individual members relatively thorough and ready access to their own fulfillment. The underlying principle of this is respect for the human person because they have dignity, because they were created in the image and likeness of God. And so it, it really has to do with the overall welfare of society and, and what, what is good for all, not just what is good for me. So this is really a central principle of social ethics. And society as a whole, we are obliged to defend and promote the common good and care for the earth. Um, is part of this, this common good.
1: And it can you can go from, you know, a global stance to West Bend, to, you know, Holy Angels, to you know, to your own household. Is that what is you know what what steps can I take and how can I how can I be proactive in helping others to be fulfilled? Not because I'm just a nice guy, but because I have a responsibility to do so. I have a responsibility to think about not just myself, but how I have an influence on the parish, how I have an influence of of West Bend, how I have an influence in the diocese that, you know, by my actions, by my words, by whatever it might be. Even, for example, what we do and accomplish maybe through this podcast. You know, how can this, you know, by what we say and what we do, how can this help to promote the common good? Uh, maybe by uh, by opening someone's eyes or ears or or hearts, you know, and saying, wow, I never thought of it that way. God, we got to start thinking about it that way. Because these are life issues. And and if we do not, you know, really think about this, we do so at our own detriment. You know, we do so at our own peril. Uh, if we do not start to live uh, with a greater sense of, of respect for life, all life, uh, and to take documents like this. And I always encourage people, you know, in the sense here is that... Uh, Pope Francis is, is really not hard to read. Um, Pope John Paul II, he's hard to read. It takes a <laughs> while, you know. Uh, again, you have to.
0: Pope Benedict, uh, a little hard. Again,
1: he's hard to read. He can be a little heady too. Good stuff, harder to read. Pope Francis, really, in many ways, is very down to earth. And is very easy to read, yeah. and and in the any the average person and such can grasp this uh, because he does use some good examples, many good examples about how to apply this, or a person could apply this, you know, in, in their own lives. Now, is
0: this this should be something that's on the Vatican website, right? That is correct. So that is we correct. can also link to this um, on our podcast page. Yes when we post
2: it, so that everyone can go read it. And no one person is going to change this situation. But I think there are, and people have probably heard this a million times, but it's true, there are little things that every person can do that when it's all added up, it can make a difference. So, you know, do you use paper products? Do you use... Um, plastic water bottles. Do you recycle? Do you recycle? Do you carpool? These are all... Like, for example, I don't use any paper products in my house except for toilet paper. (laughs) I don't... (laughs) I don't use plastic water bottles. I... I, Wherever I can, I'm not perfect, but wherever I can, I try to make little steps that, you know, when it's added up, I think it does make a difference. And so... Just think about habits that you have or things that you may or may not use and, you know, how how can you incorporate some reusable items, you know, into your daily life? And that, it does make a difference when it's all added up, it, it really does.
1: Pope Francis, uh, he says ultimately toward the end of the document that ultimately we're all going to find ourselves standing face to face with the infinite beauty of God. And, and we're going to have to somehow, you know, answer for how we have lived and how we have loved and and i would say that through the document that we have that he has written is that it's a it's a challenging document saying i can make a difference and and when i do and as if i take that seriously as hannah was reflecting a bit about you know what we can each do individually one bottle may not seem to be a lot but it's the millionth bottle it's it's the you know the little bit that turns into a lot and that somehow all of us are going to have to look at that
0: I mean I'm always saying once if you can only do something little it may not seem like a lot but it could be adding up to a lot no matter what no matter you know what. if everyone does a little that'll be a lot
2: yes
1: in, in kind of closing here um, with this with this document um, Pope Francis says he proposes, I should say. <laughs> he proposes that we offer two prayers. Mm-hmm. First he says we can share with all who believe in God, who is all-powerful, who is the all-powerful creator. While in the other, we Christians can ask for inspiration to take up the commitment to creation set befo- to the creation set before us by the gospel of Jesus. Is that you know that whole sense that as Christians We need to unite and we need to be serious about this. But going beyond our Christian world, you might say, it's to be able to say we need to also connect with all of our brothers and sisters with whom we share this planet. That uh, every single human person, as we would say, were created by God and in God's image. Every single person is inherently, you know, has the, you might say, deserves that respect of one who was created by God. All life is God's gift, you know, to all, uh, and and we have a responsibility, I think, to be reminded of all of that, of how we can make a difference, and this Respect Life Month of October is certainly a way that we can do some reflecting in our own life and with our brothers and sisters. So,
0: yeah, absolutely. Lots of good stuff. Um, Hannah did bring us the Canticle of the Creatures Prayer, which we will link in our podcast feed, and you
2: can take a look at it. Laudato Si means, uh, praised be you, my Lord, and that is found in the Canticle of the Creatures uh, Prayer by St. Francis of Assisi. So, if you're looking for a great prayer that, you know, gives glory to God and to our earth... I would I would check that out. I would also check out the, the two prayers that are at the end of this document mm-hmm. from Pope Francis that Father was talking about, a prayer for our earth and a Christian prayer in union with creation. Um, we actually recently had a service day with our middle school faith formation students where we did some care for creation, and at the end of our day we all said the prayer for our earth together, which was... It's a really nice prayer, so I would encourage you guys to, to check those out.
0: Which will also be, it's in the document that we'll, we'll link from the cool. Vatican onto our feed. Great. Whew, that was a lot. But I think we're going to leave it there for today. Yes. We hope you enjoyed that. Thank you, Hannah, for being with us. Really, thanks, Hannah. Thank That's... you for having me. And we will see you next time.